1: Today, we're going to talk about how beliefs may limit your long-term wealth and success around money. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host.
0: I'm Doug Cunnington.
1: And we have two guests, our partner podcast, The Rebel Business School. Uh, Tell us who you are and what you do. Who
2: are you? Uh, I'm Alan Donegan. I host The Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast, and I co-founded The Rebel Finance School with...
3: With me. Katie Donaghan, your wife. Uh, I also, yeah, co-founded Rebel Finance School, part of the Rebel family.
1: It's so cool to have you on again. Is this our first official podcast since we launched? I think it is since you, we all joined forces, correct?
2: It's the first one since we all joined forces, and we now have a network, which I love being part of the Mile High Fine Network, um, and the podcasts are coming out well. It's been really fun, and it's nice to – yeah – it's good to be here
1: yeah one of the things i most look forward to when you agree to be on our network is what we're doing today a collaboration because I, I love talking to you Ellen, and i love talking about money so now we're going to do both of those things at the same time uh before looking to me carl <laughs> oh i'm <laughs> no sorry <one> katie <laughs> 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 i love talking to Ellen and katie <laughs> That, that was shitty of me. We usually just talk to Ellen, So I'm not used to having you along for the ride, Katie, but I appreciate you. And uh, uh, we're both very thankful that you are here with us today.
3: Thank you. I, I'm fishing for all those compliments and nice words. So thank <laughs> you. Showing my needy side.
1: It's all good. Before we get into it, why don't you tell us what the Rebel Finance School is all about?
3: Well, During lockdown back in 2020 we had quite a lot of time on our hands and uh, as well as watching all of the streaming services we thought what can we create to help people and we realised that people's finances were in a bit of a pickle during that time because they have lost their work or yeah other stuff going on and we thought what can we do to help these people so we decided to come up with this free course called the Rebel Finance School which is to help people get their finances in order. And start to build wealth
2: and we just put it online and gave it away and saw who showed up and 150 people showed up to the first one then we ran the second one in 2021 and we had 450 people and we're right in the middle of running the third one and we've got 2,000 people a week showing up for the Rebel Finance School helping them to take control of their finances and make progress because there's incredible free information out there for people and we didn't know of like a course you could just go through that would help you from start to beginning to go through
1: it i just want to be clear for the audience there is no upsell this isn't some free thing where you try to convince someone to buy something else this is completely free you don't ask for money is that correct
3: yes i know that's very odd uh, but that is correct we don't we don't want people's money <laughs> we don't we're not selling anything this is our way of giving back we love doing it we get a buzz from doing it and we think that this information should be free and available for everyone so that's why we do it
2: yeah JL Collins has told me it's the worst business model ever uh, and he's right but we reached financial independence and what's the purpose of doing that other than to buy back your time and do what you want and one of the things that I'm sure you've experienced is having a purpose gives happiness. So we have a purpose to help to spread knowledge, to educate, and that gives us joy as well. So there is a selfish element in it that we get joy out of doing this and giving it away. But we've never charged for any courses we've ever done, Rebel Business School, Rebel Finance School, any of it.
3: And it has given us massive purpose. I wake up in the morning thinking about our rebel finance school participants, (laughs) a little bit creepy. And then I like jump out of bed and I'm like, what more could we do? What content could we make? What tools can we make to help people? And it's giving us a lot of excitement and buzz and we really love doing it.
0: Can you talk about the growth? You went from, if I heard right, 200 to 400 to 2000. So if you keep with that trajectory uh, you're going to have trouble uh, <laughs> operating the whole thing. So, well, so yeah, I
3: worked out, we've covered 0.0002% of the global population. So, <laughs> next
2: we've thought. got a way to go. We've got a way to go. But you're right. Like this, this year. So we did it on Zoom to start with, and Zoom has a limit uh, for the current one we're doing of 500 people, and we had. 10,000 people sign up saying they were interested in this course. So we were scratching our heads. How do we actually do this? How do we make this work? And we've gone from doing a Zoom with a few people to now we broadcast live to YouTube live. Uh, There's people who volunteer to help us manage your comments on YouTube, manage your comments on Zoom. And it's gone from something small to being an incredibly big thing that the volunteers from last year are helping us to run. Uh, which has been fantastic. But you're right, if it keeps going like this, we'll have 20,000 people on course four next year. Like who knows if that'll actually happen. But that's the whole purpose of this. The whole purpose is we don't think education should be the right of the people who can pay for it. Education should be available to all.
0: And now that you've had, I guess, the the third run through, have you heard back from some of the initial cohorts that have turned things around? Any testimonial kind of stories you want to share here?
2: There's been some incredible ones. Uh, There's one lady in the group just now who was, I think she was negative 20 grand when she came last year and is now positive 30 grand a year later. And when you see shifts like that, and she's gone from being in debt habitually to now having money to invest. Like it just fills our heart with joy, and we get three, four, five emails a week saying it's changed our lives. Thank you for helping us, and that's that's why we do this. That's the whole purpose. That gives us the joy uh, and helps to do it. Um, And there's just so many people that like the Facebook group for help has two thousand nine hundred people in it that are going through this course and working it. There's a lady in New Zealand that emailed today saying it's her third time of doing the course. She's done every single one with us, and it's completely changed her financial future. So we just get a buzz from helping people and the responses that we get back. Uh, And, well, you know, it when people email about the podcast and say, you've really changed our minds, you've helped us, it just inspires you to do more.
1: That's so good. I have to admit, Doug, I feel a little bit insignificant right now they've got thousands we get like an email every other week or uh, it's a little bit more than that but we've, we get a couple comments on youtube but i think we've got some work to do doug if we want to catch katie and alan
0: yeah oh, we have a lot of work to do yeah, yeah.
2: So, <laughs> it's not a competition it's definitely not a competition um but i think that's the thing is on a podcast you just don't know you don't know, like I don't know about you, but when I listen to a podcast, I just listen to it and I never email the person and say, "Thank you, that really changed the way I thought." And I had this on the rebel entrepreneur where like we were getting 1,500, 2,000 downloads per episode, and like I didn't really hear anything. And there came to one episode when things were changing, and I, I said to the audience, "Are you out there? Are you listening?" Uh, hello uh, can you message me and then like lots of emails came in saying no we are listening it's incredible keep going
3: did anyone reply and say i'm not listening
2: <laughs> <laughs> no one told me to stop doing it oh, anyway nice. which is good um but i don't think people always message with that stuff and say it and the benefit of doing a course is, is live so you've got people like live in front of you interacting talking engaging you get a whole different level of energy but yeah i don't definitely wanted to say that because i think everyone listening to this like it should never become a competition of how many people you can influence how many people you can help it should be about doing the right thing to help people and if you just help one person if you just help yourself that's a fantastic starting point that's it
1: cool i feel a little bit better about myself i one more comment and two follow-up questions. I, I remember going to Oaxaca, and y'all were, were personally working with people, which I think was pretty incredible. I think you actually had calls with people. And I'm not sure if you still do that. That doesn't sound like a strategy you could scale up, given that you have thousands of people now. But I thought that was incredible. Here you are on vacation in the middle of Mexico, and I think you had two hours blocked out to talk to a couple different individuals. So that that was amazing. Um, Yeah,
3: we definitely can't scale that up to help everyone, but we do still do that with people that are in a proper pickle um, and people that need our help will... Yeah,
2: they come on the course and they, like, ask a question and you can just sense this question comes loaded with a whole host of problems behind it and you go, okay, let's send us a link, let's have a half an hour chat and see if we can unpack some of this and help. Um, But you can't do that for everyone. There's just not enough Donegan to go round.
1: (laughs) Is the course for a worldwide audience? I I suspect many of your listeners are from the UK, but you also mentioned a New Zealand listener. Can anyone benefit from this?
3: Yes, definitely. Uh, The principles are the same wherever you are in the world. We do talk about UK specifics when it comes to investing because that's what we know and that's what most of our audience is. But yeah, it's the same wherever you are in the world.
2: Year, year two was like 45% from the USA, 45% from the UK, and then a bunch of people from different countries. Uh, year three has grown massively, and now it's 75% UK, a bunch of people in the US. We have one person from Liechtenstein. Uh, we have like a huge following in New Zealand because of an incredible blogger there called Ruth from The Happy Saver. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people that found Katie in the newspaper in India. Uh, we have following in Colombia and Venezuela and Ar- Argentina and Mexico. Like, it's unbelievable how global it has become. But the principles of good finance, I'm sure as you've experienced, like the principles of good finance are the same wherever you are. The mechanics of investing and what the tax advantaged account is called, different. But the principles, the same.
3: Yeah, because we start from the beginning, we don't launch in with investing we spend five weeks laying the foundations of do you know how much money you have to start with do you know where your money goes what do you believe about money and how that might be holding you back Mm -hmm. are you in debt here's how to get out of debt how do you communicate about money with the people that are important to you and then and only then do we come on to the investing bit and those first five weeks it doesn't matter where you are the principles are the same
1: well lichtenstein is i'm sorry if i mispronounce that for all our
0: audience here (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe.
1: Uh, You you said you have one person from there, but that might be outsized. You all could be pretty big there, even though you only have one person that you know about. You could be huge there. You'll go there on vacation. You'll see Alan on a (laughs) T-shirt.
2: That's my aim is to go somewhere to a country and see myself on a T-shirt. The mad scientist told us the other day that he'd never seen someone wearing one of his T-shirts out in the live, out in the wild. And we're like, we have spotted people in Mad Scientist t-shirts yeah, around. Have friends of someone that way. Yeah.
3: And also, Alan, I would like to point out that you did used to have a t-shirt with your own face on it. Yes, so like but I was
2: manner. wearing it, so it doesn't count. Oh, that's
1: true. That's kind of weird. Okay, one final <laughs> <laughs> question. Oh, then
3: you have a t-shirt with Alan's face on it as well.
1: I do have a t-shirt with Alan's face on it. I save it for when Alan visits. It's, it's pretty special. I need a t-shirt with your face on it, Katie. Maybe I'll make up a spoof business for you as well. I
3: think that'll
1: be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, one final question. One where one do people <laughs> Where do people sign up for the Rebel Finance School?
2: Where? Uh, com, and you can find the Rebel Finance School there or just go to rebelfinanceschool.com and you can find it there. Uh, Google it and you can hang out with us and chat to us about it and the finance stuff. Yeah, come along. It's completely free. We do it because it's fun.
0: And then you run it live though. So do people have to wait until it opens up again or now is, is it on YouTube so people can watch the old archives or something?
2: It's on YouTube at the moment. The magic is in live. Um, So if you signed up now, you can probably find it on the YouTube bits and get involved and get involved in the group. But we will be running it again in 2023 live.
1: All right. Okay, let's get into the meat of this conversation. Today, we're going to talk about beliefs and how they limit you. And I I find this conversation pretty interesting because... Uh, every human is different. And let's say you you meet a a 50-year-old person who is, I don't know, great or bad. Whatever that person is, most of the things they say to you, and their beliefs are going to be cumulative. They're going to be a culmination of all the experiences they've had. So every person, whatever that they tell you, that is based on the stuff their parents told them. It's what news they expose themselves to. It's their experiences their whole life, and that shapes the person you are. Uh, and that might be a lot of, that there's, there might be a lot of baggage in there. Right. And I think that's what we're going to talk to today, how that baggage might limit you. Let's see here. So how should we open up, Alan?
2: Well, I think beliefs in general, the starting point I would say is, have you ever taken time to consider what you believe and choose your beliefs? Like Carl, Doug, Have you ever gone and chosen like, okay, what do I want to believe? Do I want to believe people are generally good or do I want to be people are generally bad? That's an oversimplification, but it's an example. Have you ever chosen your beliefs and what you think?
0: I think I have certainly for certain pieces but only like once I was aware and I, I have no examples by the way, but I know there have been times where I was like, <laughs> I'm choosing this. And actually uh, one of them is maybe not a belief specifically, but I think uh, part, part of happiness is just deciding you're going to be more upbeat versus like every, everyone's out to get you. So maybe not a belief, but I trans or I've translated that into like how I'm operating and how it makes me feel and think, but um, there are many other areas which I have just fallen into, like Carl, like you were pointing out, like all the inputs, the way I was raised, um, reacting to other things or the news, and I didn't choose it. So I, I'm I'm aware that I have some beliefs that I haven't done anything with.
1: Yeah, oh man, that's a that's a really difficult question, and uh, <laughs> I need to contemplate it more. <laughs> but. <laughs> But on the surface, I don't think I really choose my beliefs, Uh, what I like to do when I'm trying to decide something like maybe a purchase or some other issue is look at the data and see what the data has to say about it and then make a decision based on that. But to back up a second, even though I'm saying I don't choose my beliefs, I think I can choose what I choose to believe in and now I'm (laughs) – if that makes any sense, so – Uh, Doug hinted at this a little bit. I I think it's true that you could choose to be happy and some of that. So I'm not choosing happiness, but I'm choosing to make decisions in my life that will lead to this by reading the news less, by not entertaining negative thoughts, by not driving when there's a lot of traffic, which gives me anxiety and makes me angry. So, but to actually choose a belief, I I don't know, where were you going with that, Alan? Well, I think,
2: Lots of people say beliefs every day. So if you're listening to this, you go around saying beliefs. And beliefs are things like, uh, I'm not good with technology. Uh, I'm not good with numbers. Uh, The rich get rich, the poor get poorer. It takes money to make money. Things that your parents might have repeated to you. I don't know if you had this one. My parents would repeat, uh, money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, and it wasn't until later when I realized money was made of paper and it literally <laughs> is made of trees uh, that that one kind of melted away a bit. Um, but it's interesting, like these things that we inherit and say, and those are the things you repeat, the sayings you repeat, the beliefs about yourself, which another way of looking at is an identity. Those are the things that control you. Cause if you say, I'm not good with numbers does that give you a chance at looking through your numbers working through it and figuring it out or do you just say I'm not good with numbers and bury your head in the sand and stop looking and then you go is it actually true are you actually not good with numbers like were you born without the maths gene like were you born without numbers as a function in your brain or is it just something you haven't learnt Is it a skill that you could learn? Could you get 10% better at it? Could you sit down with someone and learn? Or are you just really not good with numbers? But I think these beliefs control our actions, our possibility, our way of interacting with our world. And we get so many handed from our parents in different places that affect us over the
3: years. I had one where my, we, I used to be really nosy about how other people lived. Well, still am. But as a teenager, I would pester my parents to get us to drive down the road where all the fancy houses were. And we'd be like, oh, like, look at that one. And oh, we can't even see that one because the wall and the gate's too high and you can't see in. And uh, I remember one particular house and I said to my dad, oh, I really like that one, Dad. Do you think I could live in a house like that one day? And he said, well, sure you can, Katie, if you marry a rich man. And, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, so I thought i do it myself then. And thankfully, both me and my mum, who was also in the car, reacted like, how dare you say that it's only possible if I find a man to do it for me or to provide it for me? But I could easily have adopted that as a belief that, oh, the only way for me to have financial success or have this fancy house is if I – get it from someone else and then i wouldn't bother trying for myself and it's really interesting how those can seep in if you're not careful no one likes seepage
1: so i'm curious and i'd like to go back to the one you said about math i'm I'm bad at math Uh, there might be certain people whose brains aren't wired as well for math so they actually might not have the disposition to be as good at it as some people, they're never gonna be a world-class mathematician no matter how much they study. But my response to that would be something like, well, I might have to work a little bit harder at math, but here's what I can do to compensate for it. Am I thinking about this right? Or how, how would you, what would you say to someone who said, I'm bad at math?
2: One of my favorite expressions Katie repeats is it's not binary. And binary, as you know, means it's a one or a zero. It's like a computer thinks in ones or zeros. It's either on or off. It's either good or bad. It's either one or zero. So it's not you're either great at maths or you're not. And that's how people picture it and they trap themselves by being thinking in binary ways. It's not like I am either a Nobel winning mathematician or I shouldn't bother It's like, well, let's work to be like a little bit better. And you actually don't need to be that good at maths to be just enough to understand your finances, to understand where you're going to understand. Same as technology. People go, oh, I'm just no good with technology. That's a belief. That's not a fact. It's not like you were born without the technology gene. You just haven't learned that particular piece or the way to use it. And I've watched people Mum, I'm sorry, I'm going to bash you slightly here. <laughs> uh, my mother, not in that way. My mother, like when she gets with technology, she's just like, just I can't do this. It's doing the wrong thing again. I'm just not good with technology. And she doesn't even like take in what's on the screen. And I almost have to like get to breathe and go, what's it saying to you? It's asking you a question and which button are you going to click on and what do you want to do? But the belief gets us het up. Uh, and stops us from doing things and I guess let's go right up to how beliefs are formed someone gives you an idea and then you get experiences or references that back up that idea and the more experiences and references you have the stronger that idea gets so I want you to a second think of a belief as a table and the belief is the table top And the experiences or the references are the legs. If your table only has one leg, like your belief is I'm good with technology. And there's only one time you've managed to get technology to do what you wanted it to do. uh, How strong is that table?
1: Yeah. It's as strong as your beliefs.
2: It's like as strong as the references you've got beneath it. Like if the table only has one leg, you can knock it over really easily. If you've got years of experiences of, if I just breathe, work through it, I know I can get it to work. And you've got like four legs to your table because it's worked lots of times or 10 legs to your table. How strong is that belief?
1: Yeah, very strong. If you've sought out evidence and sought out the experiences to justify the beliefs.
2: And you can have beliefs that back up you can have references that back up any belief. So let's take, uh, Doug was saying about like his way of interacting with the world and being positive and seeing that people are good back. Like you can choose to believe whether people are good or bad. Do you have references that people are bad sometimes? Like experiences where people have tried to steal from you, things have gone wrong like people do dickish things, whatever it is. Do you have experiences
0: like that? Certainly, yes.
3: (laughs) Why are you looking at Carl?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you could, if you wanted, go, I'm going to generally believe people are bad. I'm going to structure my experiences. I'm going to think about them. I'm going to strengthen that belief. And I can choose that belief. But equally, you could choose to believe people are good. And do you have experiences where people have been nice to you or kind or just shown generosity over the years? And for those of you listening, Doug is nodding, Carl looks questioningly as this has this actually happened. Um but I have a huge amount of belief that people have been kind to me, like you've supported me helping to get my podcast out there. People have been nice to me in different ways, people have helped me. So I've got references for both beliefs. So I can choose which one I back up, which way of operating in the world I want to do. And then I guess the question becomes, which is the most empowering belief that helps you be successful, helps you live a life you want to live? And then you kind of choose, you're starting to choose your beliefs because you can choose like, I'm not good with money or I'm good with money. I'm not good with money. You might have references that you've like wasted it. Things have gone wrong, bad investments. Da da da. You've got references and legs for a strong belief there. You could also believe build a belief that you're good with money by like working out where your money goes, having a monthly money meeting, uh, not spending it at certain times, but investing it instead. And you could build a very strong belief that you're good with money. And what I'm trying to say. To everyone listening to this podcast is you can choose what you want to believe and then build the experiences and the references to back up that belief and beliefs will affect how you act on a day-to-day basis and your actions build up over time to give your results so your beliefs are fundamental about what's possible for you in the future
1: so to build on that, and you kind of hinted at this, Alan, is there a framework for how we choose which belief to go with? I, I, obviously, I mean, some of them are pretty obvious, but others maybe not so much. Is it all selfishness? Should we choose the belief that is going to further our our bank account or further our happiness? Or is there any self-delusion involved in any of this?
2: Well, I'm sure there's a little bit of self-delusion because I think a lot of my beliefs that I hold aren't true and this is where you get really interesting because you have lots of arguments about what's true or not I don't really care what's true I care does the belief help me because it is not true that people are all good and it is not true that people are all bad but I know if I go through life believing people are generally good I know that I will have a happier existence and I will get further in life So I don't choose the one that's true. I choose the one that helps me the most. And we did an interesting study on the Rebel Finance School course about people's beliefs. And we sent them a whole set of, was it around 50 beliefs, Katie? Yes. And we sent them this questionnaire and said, which of these beliefs do you believe them on this scale, like strongly agree, strongly disagree, in the scale in between to work out what people's strongest money beliefs are. Um, Katie will give us the top four strongest money beliefs. And while she does, I'd like you to think if you held these four money beliefs, how likely are you to be successful in your finances in the future?
3: So the four are, oh, shall I do them in reverse order in this kind of like exciting? With a drum reveal? roll. <laughs> uh, so at number four, money can't buy you happiness.
2: If you believe money can't buy you happiness, like, how much focus are you going to put on it? Are you going to bother accumulating it or working with it?
3: I think the deleted words are "money can't buy you happiness," so I'm not going to bother trying to get any. <laughs> I think mean, we all could probably agree that it does. Money is not the be-all and end-all; is not the reason for happiness. But having some money can help. Like it helps. If it buys enough, pizza. Yeah,
2: <laughs> like that leads to happiness directly.
3: Um, so I think there's often some like deleted words from this or the implication of believing this that is important to think about. Uh, so the in at number three was realistically, chances are I will never be rich. And if you unpack that, well, first of all, why are we being realistic? Why can't we <laughs> like <laughs> aim for something? Most people go for realistic, which means that the unrealistic stuff is available for those of us that look for it. Uh, and then chances are I will never be rich. Oh, so it's down to luck.
2: It's probably it's luck. It's chance. It's probability. It's nothing to do with me. Would well, interesting to know, Doug and Carl, have you ever thought chances are I'll never be wealthy? Well, then it comes with another question: Do you believe that you are wealthy or not?
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, at some point I can't remember, but as an adult, I think I definitely thought I thought that. And then the other piece, which we didn't unpack yet is how you define a rich. That's mm-hmm. really important too. So I think I redefined rich to serve my purposes.
3: <laughs> and I think there's a whole load of um, emotion and social stuff around that word as well. Like rich, I don't know, particularly in the UK is almost a bit of a dirty word. Like rich people are greedy or rich people are selfish. Um, I think that's particular to the UK culture.
0: Is it like that in the US? Or you're allowed to be rich in the US? I think you're allowed
1: to be rich, right? Yeah, there, there's occasional <laughs> pushback against it. Uh, this thing against billionaires. I've seen stickers on lampposts: uh, "No one should be a billionaire," or something like that, which I disagree with, by the way. But yeah, there's a little bit of pushback from some of the fringe parts of society. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for so it's uh,
3: interesting when we, interesting when we said rich that you thought
1: billionaire? Uh, no, I don't think you have to be a billionaire. I just think it's funny that that group has been singled out. In our lifetime, I think there will be a trillionaire too, and I think it will probably be Elon mm-hmm. Musk. And what's going to happen then? The billionaire people are just going to be super mad
0: at that yeah. point. They'll have to change their stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the... Um, I don't have an issue with billionaires specifically. I didn't put those stickers up or anything. But... <laughs> The Are you okay, Carl? You <laughs> drank down the wrong pipe or something? <laughs> G- Georgie's freaking out. She's saying, Carl, are you okay?
1: It I did the water. It went eat. down the wrong way.
0: <laughs> and for the people listening, he he tried to drink it through his nose. That's the wrong pipe. So you gotta use the mouth, buddy. Um, you're okay? Let's go with it. <laughs> Okay. He, he's okay. He's going to make it through here. Okay.
1: Are you sure? You're not
2: showing much concern here. <laughs>
1: I have a drinking problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the the, the point I was uh, that I was going to make is, I think uh, some of the billionaires that are on the news are, all the time, they seem like maniacs. So I think it's a pretty easy group to uh, like unify against. Mm-hmm. So, but I know there's a lot of different billionaires out there, not just the crazy ones.
1: I hope <laughs> if we ever become billionaires, we don't become maniacs.
0: I, I don't. I feel like it goes hand in hand. I'm not sure. That's another conversation. But okay. so maybe they should be canceled that. I don't
3: know. So Doug believes that all billionaires are maniacs.
0: Is that put that in the survey for the next <laughs> yeah, one? Yeah, that is yeah. an
1: interesting belief,
2: isn't it? But you hit these beliefs just come out through what you're saying, which is fascinating. So if you're listening to this, have some conversations with people about money and just see what comes out and pay attention to what you're saying. They will be your beliefs and this one, realistic chances are I will never be rich. What we hear a lot is the only ways to get wealthy are the lottery, inheritance, or you build a business and you luckily sell it for a fortune. And that's never gonna happen to me, so why should I bother working to fix my finances? And that's really fascinating because the consequences of a belief like that are huge in your life because you act as if this thing is true And actually, if you were born in the USA, if you were born in the UK, you're actually born with quite an opportunity to become wealthy if you want to. There's a huge amount of free resources. There's a huge amount of support. And it doesn't necessarily take luck. It can be a process. If you start saving early, as I'm sure you've talked about a lot on this podcast, with investing small amounts when you're young that compounds over the years, the chances of being wealthy are you know very very probable not improbable so these beliefs change the way you act and will change your future and i think people aren't careful about what they say they just throw these sayings around and beliefs without actually realizing how much they affect your future your life your way of acting
1: yeah, I saw a great quote once. This might have been on a LAMP post as well. But <laughs> it said something like, whether you think you can or you think you you can't, you're probably right.
2: Henry Ford. It was a Henry Ford quote. It was a fascinating one. And I think I'd just add to that in saying like, just believing you can do something doesn't mean you will, but it gives you a chance. If you believe you can't, you won't even have a go. Like you don't get a swing at A swing at the ball, you don't get a chance. It's like, well, I can't. Yeah, do the
3: bus example. So, say that you're going to a bus stop. I know this probably doesn't work in the States because you don't have public transport, do you? But anyway, bear with me. Imagine you live in a place where there's (laughs) buses and public transport, and you see the bus coming, and you're a little bit far from the bus stop, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to make that bus. So, you stop trying and you don't try. and you're right you don't make the bus because you don't try but if you think oh I might make that and you go for it and you run and maybe the bus driver's a little bit nice as well and sees you running and waits for you but if you don't try and run and you don't try and make it you're not going to make it. Does so that the belief
2: sense? becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and I think you look for evidence to back up your beliefs So these things of money can't buy you happiness or realistic chances I will never be rich. People look for articles that say wealthy people aren't happy to back up that belief so they never have to try. They never have to work on it. It's like, well, look, here's all the evidence. And they store all this evidence. They have all the legs to the tables. Their belief is rock solid. And what we say to them won't make any difference because that's the truth. They have all this evidence that backs up why they can never be successful and it will never work for them because they're just not lucky enough to be born with wealth. So they'll never try. But it's an evidence-based approach and we back up our beliefs with all these articles. You know, the media loves a good article about money can't buy your happiness or, you know, the wealthy are just there because of luck or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And I think this speaks to another uh, foundational element of human nature and that humans tend to be negative. I think it's called negativity bias. Uh, So we're wired to think that. So it might be a struggle to try to think in the right way. And I want to talk about that more, but maybe we save that for after we do number two and number one.
3: I always wait till after I've done my number two, which is.:
1: It's a good policy.: the rich,
3: <laughs> the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. So the implication of this one might be, well, I think of myself as poor, therefore, I've got no chance. I can never be in the rich camp, and things are only going to get worse for me.:
2: And it's also that belief has a binary aspect. You are either rich or poor. And it's really interesting, these kind of beliefs, how they trap you and they cause a duality or a binary element of you're either rich or you're poor. If you're rich, you will always earn more money. If you're poor, you will always be kept down. And if you start to believe these things, it can trap you. It can completely trap you. Have you ever had any of these beliefs? Doug said he had uh, one of the ones like earlier but have you ever had any of these money beliefs or have you always believed that you can make money you'll be fine everything's good
1: yeah that's so interesting and this goes back to a question you asked earlier which i did not answer if i ever thought if i considered myself wealthy or if i thought i would be wealthy and the first one is yeah i think i'm wealthy now life is great, but. I never even considered it was a possibility when I was a kid. And I'm, I'm not sure why we used to, they had this goofy show. It was actually an Englishman, uh, Robin Leach called the lifestyles of the rich and famous. Have you heard of this? Did they show that in the UK?
2: It sounds good though.
1: <laughs> it was this guy with an accent who would drink champagne on this big boat. And then they would show these, <laughs> the, these houses, these people with helicopters and the, these big mansions on the French Riviera and all these places. But my grandmother used to love the show. And, I guess for me, like those people on the show were probably rich, but they're super rich. They're like, they're not one percenters. They're like 0.01 percenters or more. So when you have an expectation like that thrown at you from the media, of course, you're, at least in my case, I wasn't even going to consider it because that is so far away from where my life is. But that was just an error of the information I was paying attention to or the information my grandmother showed me when I was at their house on Sunday night or whenever that show was on. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure. I don't think I answered your question or maybe I did. <laughs> what was the question?
2: <laughs> I think the point we're trying to make from all of this is about considering the beliefs that were handed down to you by your parents, by your grandparents, by the TV shows, by the things around you. And then considering, do I actually believe that or do I want to choose a different belief for myself? And we've been kind of poking holes at these beliefs. And I want you to imagine, like, if it's a table top is the belief and the belief is the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Well, let's like chop out some of the legs for that belief to weaken it and then start to install a new belief. So the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Is that always true or are there people who start with nothing and make it? Well, there's plenty of examples of that. Are there people who start investing and start earning money on the side? Well, there's plenty of examples of that through property investing, through index funds, and you start to weaken the belief, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and then you start to strengthen the belief, it's possible for me to become financially comfortable. And maybe you get rid of the word rich and you go financially comfortable, but for everyone listening to this, your belief determine your outcomes. So start to tackle the beliefs that limit your possibilities and start to open up beliefs that maybe you can do it. Maybe you can live the life you want to live. Maybe you can change things the way you want to live. Doesn't mean it won't take time, energy, effort and cost you. know, It doesn't have to cost money but it costs your energy and effort but it might be possible. And I think That's where I'm going with this, is let's weaken the beliefs that trap us and strengthen the beliefs of possibility.
3: And when most people try and make changes, they'll try and change their behaviour without considering what's beneath that and what beliefs are stopping them from changing.
2: Yeah, that causes some friction, doesn't it?
3: What are you thinking of?
2: (laughs) Many things. Um, Well, I'm doing a podcast right now with a lady who wants to build a business. And she believes sales is bad, sales is evil, sales is pushy. And I'm there going, to build a business, you need to sell stuff. And her entire body is revolting against this because I'm like, you have to sell, otherwise you won't build a business. But she believes sales is bad. So she's ripped in two in pain because like, I'm pushing her to sell, but she believes sales is bad. Sales isn't fundamentally bad, just FYI. Some salespeople are evil and will rip you off, but some are good and will sell you stuff that's actually good for you. Sales is not good or bad, it's the people. But like, that's like, that belief will trap you from ever building the business you want to build and cause you huge friction, huge pain in your life. So you need to almost tra- untrap um, yourself from the beliefs, And that's what I'm learning coaching people through the podcast in a far closer environment over time is like the how to like find someone who's interested in what you do and talk to them about their problems and sell them something that fixes their problems. It's not that difficult, but like. That's not what stops people doing it. They know what they need to do. What stops them doing it is a belief about whether sales is good or bad, whether it's possible for them to build a business or not, whether they think they will ever be successful. That's what really stops people, not the actions. We don't need more how-to. We need to get rid of some of these negative, crappy beliefs that trap us where we are.
0: I have a follow-up on that specific example of the person you're coaching. So you've used the analogy of the tabletop and the, the chair legs, which I think it looks a little funny. I'm picturing the the one-legged table and then a table with like 20 legs. It's a little <laughs> funny to me when you have a really strong belief system. But in that case, for the person that you're coaching, it sounds like maybe she has some, some of those beliefs not based on a logical way to get there. Like maybe there's some, it, it, basically you, you can't logic her way into it, right? There's some feelings or some other experiences that she had that got her there. So how do you approach it? I mean, you can't just keep feeding, you know, oh, here's a logical argument. Here's another story. Here's another story, right? Cause she got there because some experience when she was younger. So any thoughts on that?
2: Sometimes it's about, finding out what that experience was and then asking them that the meaning they landed in based on that experience is that true so they will have had an experience where I don't know someone sold them something that didn't work and then maybe it was their dad was a salesman and they didn't like it or I don't know what it was but like they've seen that item and then decided it means something and quite often we are trapped by the decision that something means something, not the thing. So the thing might be, someone sold you something that broke. And then you go, well, this salesperson was dodgy. I have to be careful of all salespeople. Well, does it mean that? Did you ever go back to them and ask them what happened? Does it mean all salespeople are dodgy for the rest of eternity? Or are some of them good? And like, you come to these meanings, and I did in my past, like I had my dad was a mess with money in so many ways. And the meaning I attached to it was that money causes problems. And like, how do you think you'll believe, how do you think you'll act if you believe money causes problems? You get rid of it. (laughs) I don't want it around me. I'd rather just be happy and not have it around me. But that's the meaning I land on. And actually, it wasn't the money that caused the problems. I just decided that was the thing. It was actually my dad's way of dealing with it all that caused the problems. Um, And you have to go back and go, well, like, did that actually equate that? But we almost create these equations in our head. This experience equals this meaning and that will forever be the way life is (laughs) and you think really you could have landed in any other meaning at that point i could have landed in my dad's bad with money so therefore i'll be bad with money i could have landed in um actually it's entrepreneurship that's bad it's not the money it's the fact my dad was an entrepreneur and didn't have a stable job that meaning i could have landed in and it would have given me a completely different life But I didn't, I just randomly landed in one meaning, which is money causes problems. Does that kind of make any sense to you at all? I'm using the word specifically, you land in it, because I do feel it's random. Like you just choose a random meaning based on how you're feeling on that day about that situation. And then we act as if it's true forever.
3: So how did you change that then?
2: How did I change it? Um, Through people telling me like, It's not the money, it's the way people behave about it through self-development, through podcasts, through coaching, through... Yeah, eventually, like, you, if you're listening to this today and you're starting to go, oh, interesting. I have a belief that I'm not good with technology. I have a belief that I can't be successful with money. I have a belief that this. Well, then you can start to read articles about how do you change beliefs. You might have a belief that I'm not confident or I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert is a belief. Then you can go up and look like, am I actually an introvert? Does an introvert even exist? Or is it a social construct? Like, have there been people that I'm not introverted around that I feel comfortable with? Is it always true? Then you can go out there and find like, how do you change your belief and open up your world? But it all starts with realizing these things are beliefs. And there'll be a whole bunch of people who are listening to this right now who goes, I'm an introvert and it's not a choice. Back off, Donegan. This is the way I am. Well, there's another belief.
1: It seems like a lot of this is maybe caused by ego, too. If If you've got a strong ego, you might not be willing to burn down some long-held belief. You kind of have to be open to receive new information, to acknowledge that a thought you had may not be correct and that you may need to work on yourself a bit.
3: we're built to be consistent at all costs Mm -hmm. and if you suggest something to me that's not consistent with who I think I am or what um, you've said in the past I might be offended and reject it and not be open to listening
2: I said I was introverted in 1985 and I've been repeating that for the last 40 years therefore it is a fact and that is the way life is and if you say anything else it is untrue and we as humans are built to be consistent the whole world backs up you said this once therefore you must behave that way forever and it's the worst thing we can do to people because stuff changes life changes things change i change my mind sometimes mm. have you ever changed your mind duck and constantly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, I think it's great. I remember there was someone in the in the US, I'm not going to go into, uh, uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but this person changed their mind and, and the whole media, the this whole attack against them was that they changed their mind. And um, it, in my head, I'm thinking, well, they got new information, so that's what mm-hmm. they should have done. I think they should have been praised for that and not thrown under the bus for it. But yeah, it's a, yeah.
2: And that's why we struggle to change because- The whole world tells us it's bad to change our mind. And yet that then traps us where we are with the beliefs we are doing what we are and we can never change. I think change should be celebrated. Like if you've got new information, if you've listened to this and gone, okay, maybe I do have a chance to become wealthy. Maybe it's possible for me, and you've changed that belief having listened to this. Celebrate, like you've got a whole new world of possibilities in front of you, and we will all be cheering you on to go for it. We want you to do it.
1: Yeah, fantastic, uh, Katie. Now that you've done your number two, should we get to number one?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I always do in that order. So, in at number one, it takes money to make money.
1: So what the heck does this even mean? Can you elaborate? And to back up a second, this is the number one uh, badly held belief that you've heard from your survey or from survey participants in the Rebel Finance School. Is that correct? Yeah,
3: the, most, the most strongly held belief of those list of 50 odd beliefs that we ask people about.
2: Which quite angered me because I've spent a decade fighting against this belief, literally a decade of my life trying to smash this one belief. Do you know where it comes from? No. Do you know how long this belief has been around?
0: Forever? Uh, I have a guess. Uh, can I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, a bank said this. I feel like someone that loans money said this.
2: <laughs> I love that. I wish it was. It was actually first the first like thing we can think of, we can find it ever was, was a Roman playwright. So we're talking 2,000 plus years ago. And it was actually written as a joke. It takes money to make money. It was a joke in a Roman comedy from many, many years ago. And then people started repeating it. And now we repeat it as if it's fact. You have to get a loan to start a business. You have to get money first before you can do anything. Takes money to make money. Therefore, I'll never have money. Therefore, I'll never start. Therefore, like, I have to wait until someone gives me money. Please give me money. Come and give me money. Then I can have a go.
3: And Yeah, it's just not true. You need money to start investing, Yeah, which which is true, but you can generate that money yourself by generating a gap between what you earn and what you spend. Yes,
2: or not buying some plastic rubbish one month and then invest the money instead, or whatever it is, there is a way to get started. And, yeah, this belief traps people from ever having a go because they're like, well, I don't have any money, therefore I can never make more. Game over.
1: Yeah. Looking at this quote, I think there's a lot of things you could substitute for the first money. So it takes money to make money. What if you said it takes education to make money or it takes hard work to make money or it takes a novel idea to make money or something like that? I think there's a million different words that you could substitute for that. And I think everyone could find their own word to put in there.
2: I love that. I would tackle education because especially in the U.S., like education costs a lot. So people go, it takes education to make money, i.e. I need to go to an Ivy League university to be successful to make money. And that's just not true. Um, It takes energy or hard work. Yes, sometimes it does. So if you've got energy, if you're breathing, you can make money.
1: Yeah. And I could education is very loosely defined. I could say that could be a YouTube channel or something like that that you watch. Yeah, you don't need to go to... Harvard to make money that'll cost you a lot of money, at least initially.
2: And then people then say, well, it takes a novel idea to make money. And this happens on the business school courses we run all the time. They're like, I don't have a unique idea. We have this thing that's taught by formal business that you must find your, uh, unique selling point, your USP. And I'm like, we need to stop teaching people this because some of the most successful businesses in the world aren't unique. Like you could start a cleaning business right now and be successful. Is a cleaning business unique? No. No. Like you could start a food business. It's it's not unique. We've been selling food for a while now, a couple of years. Um, Like it's not unique. It's not special. You don't need a novel idea. You just need to go out there and do something, sell it, make someone's life a little better and add value. And I think we get trapped in these beliefs that it takes this to do this and it doesn't you've you've got everything within you all the resources within you now are there to be able to make progress on what you need it does take energy and it does take time that's about it the rest of it you can magic up along the way
1: so i'm curious we've gone through the four points now and i I struggle with limiting beliefs too Uh, doug and i actually had a Uh, podcast episode a while ago how i talked about my negativity and i'm too negative i let negative thoughts enter my head so what i found is you have to be working at it constantly you have to be shutting down those thoughts and redirecting your energy Uh, do you have any other tips to that you would say to people when asked to if they ask you for advice about how to redirect their beliefs or how to start thinking positive about a situation like they want to they want to make the effort but they're not sure exactly where to start
2: number one surround yourself with people who believe the opposite it's really interesting when you surround yourself with people who believe the opposite because they will be so strong in their beliefs because they believe that and you're strong in your beliefs and just their strength in their beliefs will weaken yours
3: And you might think, I don't know anyone in my circle that believes things like that. It doesn't have to be someone that you know personally. You could spend time with those people by reading their books, listening to their podcasts, watching their YouTube channel. It doesn't have to be someone you actually know.
2: Exactly. Um, Number two, when those thoughts come into the mind, like it is worth just journaling about them every now and again or writing down some ideas so like i have this belief that keeps coming up that says this or i have this belief that i have a negative mindset that's interesting where does that belief came come from what started it what am i trying to protect myself from uh those sorts of questions to start to figure it out you can't always logic your way out of it as doug has said but you can start to think of it like that um Number three, I would say, don't negotiate with
3: terrorists. (laughs) Why are you looking at me?
2: Because I thought you might have something to add on that. No. Okay, what I mean by that is sometimes things your brain says have positive intentions, like they're trying to protect you, but they're just not useful. So your brain like puts this thought in there to do something, but it's just not useful. So like don't negotiate with the terrorists in your brain. Just tell them to go away. This thought is not helpful. I'm focusing over here. And actually, the like, less you negotiate with it, the more you build your beliefs that it's possible and just head the direction you want to go to. Like, it's like not giving oxygen to the bad stuff. It will wither and shrink as you focus on the good stuff. Doug, you look, uh, Carl, you look like you've got something to add. You look like you
1: were going to say something to that one. No, yeah. I just read a book called Solve for Happy, and it was. It said something real similar to what you said. It said, you are not your thoughts, which I thought was fascinating. So mm. the the author said, your brain's going to throw at you all kinds of stuff, and the person you are depends on which of those thoughts you entertain and which ones you dismiss. And I never thought of that. Like, you think, ah, why do I have this thought? Why am I such a blah, blah, blah? But... It depends what you do with a thought, and that determines who you are. So I thought that was very powerful and empowering. I don't have to judge myself based on the, some of the crazy shit my brain throws at me.
3: <laughs> I think a, another way of thinking about it as well is if you can figure out who gave you this belief, was it your mom, was it your dad, was it your school teacher? who was it, did it come from society in general? And then thinking, do I want the results of the person that gave me this belief? If the person told you money is the root of all evil and then they don't have any money in their life, they're not successful in terms of having built any wealth, Like, do you want the same results as that person in that area of their life? And that's a good way of, kind of sometimes kind of snapping you out of it and going, oh, they gave me that and they don't have the results I want. I'm going to choose to release something different.
2: Mm. You are not responsible for the programming you were given as a child. But as an adult, you are 100% responsible for changing it.
1: So good. So don't
2: let that stuff define who you want to be in the future. Take a choice. Take a choice. And then I think my final bit is build proof for the new belief you want to build. So if you want to develop a new belief that I am good with money, well, that's great. Say I'm good with money and then start to do the stuff that builds the legs. So I'm good with money. So I will check my account and see where the money's going. I will have a monthly finance meeting where I look at my net worth and work out how much I've spent. Then you will start to actually do the behaviours that back up the identity or the belief that I'm good with money. And after a while of doing that, you'll start to actually believe I am good with money, look what I'm doing, look, my net worth has grown, things are happening, I've put some focus on it. So you can actually build very powerful beliefs, but you have to do the actions that lead to it and you might not be perfect to start with but you're starting to work on it and build that belief and you can build a belief that you're good with technology you can build a belief that you're good with maths if you want to look I can add up if I give myself time and work through it I can use a spreadsheet and I've got proof I've learned how to use it I've done the stuff and I build evidence for myself to back up the beliefs and identity that I want to have about myself, not ones that are handed to me by society.
1: Well, I have nothing to add. How about you, Doug?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just a a very small one. um, And it's about my hair and I have a limiting (laughs) belief that I, I can't grow a full head of hair and I'm going to, I'm going to try and change it. (laughs) <laughs> so okay I'll, we'll check in well give me like a couple years something like that i'm not sure how long it takes to restore hair follicles
2: i have just read an article about stem cell therapy and the applications of uh regenerating hair follicles for men mm-hmm. so maybe there is a possibility if that's what you want but you might also look at it you do save a lot of time washing your hair uh, and preening it, and you might actually be better off without it.
0: I think I am. I, I spend a lot on lotion because I have a big forehead now. It goes all the way to the back of my neck. <laughs> so, But that was a good finish, Alan. That was a strong finish, and I ruined it.
1: <laughs> Alan's got to go find a new podcast network to join after this. I, I think we are Alan's one of limited factors based on uh,
2: I think we just want to say to people out there, you are not what you believe. You can choose what you believe. Just take the time to think about it and choose. Do I actually want to be confined by this belief? Did I choose to believe it? Was it just handed to me? And start to ask yourself some questions because you can unlock a whole different future by changing what you believe.
1: Beautiful. Do you have anything else? No. I, I have nothing to add.
0: Where should people find you guys? The streets of Argentina,
2: currently. <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie, where can people find us?
3: islandonegan.com
2: Yes, we're both there. We do the Rebel Finance School course. They can listen to the Rebel Entrepreneur uh podcast if they're interested in that whole coaching series about the beliefs around sales and making money. Uh, We just have a lot of fun helping people. And most of it's through alandonegan.com or the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. Um, Yeah. And then we'll be in Brazil next month uh, and then Colombia the month afterwards. If you're there, come and say hi.
0: Awesome. We'll link everything up and we'll talk to you both soon.
2: Thank you so much, gentlemen, for having us on the podcast. Average.
0: Thank you, Ellen and Katie. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Where are you two located these days? We
3: are in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Eating
2: empanadas, steak, and Hmm.
1: Uh, what nice. was that last thing you said? It sounded like alcoholics, but I know y'all don't drink.
3: Alfajores they are basically yeah, two biscuits. Not your biscuits. Not your weird, like, like cookies, fluffy two. Uh, two cookies, and you put dulce de leche in the middle. Like you know what dulce de leche is?
1: Yes. See.
2: Yeah, it's just like a a Dolce de Leche sandwich in two cookies. And
3: sometimes they enrobe it in chocolate. Yeah,
2: it's called bañado en chocolate, which basically means bathed in chocolate.
3: That's what Mm. you do every day.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And Carl, you've actually had alfajores before I brought them to you because a company that I helped (laughs) uh, like mentor, uh, they made those little pastries. Do you remember those? Oh, I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, how could you not remember that, Carl? Actually, actually, Carl, you've already tried them
2: and I bought them for you. So, like, don't be a dick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very good. All right, yeah. Any other other big uh, amazing meals or anything like that? What was the last cool place you ate or something?
3: We accidentally went to uh, one of the best restaurants in the world without realizing it.
2: Uh, It happens to be two blocks from our house called Don Julio's, and it's one of the best steak restaurants in the world. Uh, And we turned up, and it was unbelievably good. Uh, And the meal for three of us, we were horrified at how expensive it was, which was about £80, 120 bucks for three of us, which you're probably thinking, that's nothing. Um, But compared to Argentinian prices, that was huge. But the food was incredible. Yeah, so we by mistake went to one of the best restaurants in the world.
1: So that's an interesting story. How do you just wind up at that? Like, if you, excuse me, if you were in America, You would probably have to dress up for that, I guess. Was there no dress code there? Did they give you a jacket when you walked in? Or is that just not a (laughs) thing in Argentina? It
3: was one of the most relaxed places we've been here as well. They were very chill.
2: They were very friendly, very relaxed. They were obviously all dressed quite smartly in uniforms. And we knew it was kind of special when you arrive because everyone's dressed well. There's a real buzz. There's a queue of people. And they hand you, like, they tried to give us a sparkling drink as we arrived and we're like, we don't even have a reservation. And they said, no worries. Here, have an empanada. Eat that whilst we check if we've got a table for you. So they're like feeding you before you even know if you can sit there. Uh, and then they welcome you in. And like, yeah, the the grill is unbelievable. Like they have a real wood grill. You can see the guys grilling the meats and the foods. And you know, Argentina, Argentina is famous for steak. That's what this place was about. They call it Asado? Wow. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but you just kind of stumble past and go, that place looks nice. Let's go there. And they happened to have a table with us, which we were very lucky because we looked recently and you have like two months to book in advance. Uh, and we just happened to wander in as we walked past.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah.